Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Thanks for hanging out. Great to be with you. It is the weekend edition, Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cradak, and Elijah Herbal. Guys, are you loaded up with the uh, the travel bag? Do you have the suntan lotion? Are you off to warmer climates as it is uh, spring break week upon us? And then a week from Monday. I work. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. A week from Monday, <laughs> then it is Spring football is already here, and uh, a lot to to get into with that. It always is recruiting season, and it is championship Saturday uh, when it comes to to boys state basketball. Grand Canyon Eleven, how's the week been? Well, I'm just I'm sticking up for my boy Will Bolt. He doesn't even get a mention. Doesn't even get a mention on your intro. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. You're just like, there's boys state basketball, there's women's tennis, there's probably pickleball happening at the gym later <laughs> today. He doesn't even get in that discussion. No, Nebraska baseball absolutely gets a mention. So does Mark Manning and Husker Wrestling before you call me out again. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I was was going to get there. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I think you're shading them out. It's weird. I just want you guys to talk. You know what I mean? It's getting awkward. Uh, between you guys, like this passive aggressive thing that you guys have going on <laughs> with each other, we need to. Will, Will and I we need go to back a lot of years, and I'm yeah. going to overinflate this so I sound really much better than I am. Uh, we're not as close as you two are, but no, <laughs> Will's uh, Will's fantastic. I love what he's doing. I always love seeing him. We we bump into each other at, at the craziest spots. Usually we're both eyeing like a, a New York strip or a ribeye at one of the, the, the meat counters, honestly, when I see him. Night before. Uh, just during the during the, the, the fall, if we're going to get some, some grill on, it's good. But no, I mean, he was our – Will Bolt was our first interview ever. You and I have done radio since 1998 back in college at uh, Nebraska, KRNU. Shout out. And, uh, yeah, Will was – eating a Lazari's pizza, I do believe. And, um, yeah, he did the interview. He still remembers that and smiles. He's like, yeah, I don't know how good I was. And I was like, you, (laughs) we thank you for answering (laughs) the damn phone. We're happy the phone worked. But, no, Will Bolt's uh, been near and dear to us for a lot of years. You guys want to hear a story that's going to make you guys feel old? Uh, That interview you guys conducted with Will Bolt is older than me. I know. I was I, literally Elijah. I was just thinking that. I was just sitting here alone, like trying to do the math here, and like, yeah, Got Elijah was not even Elijah was not even a thing yet. He wasn't even. 
Oh my goodness. That was pre-birth. Wow. That was probably sometime around conception. So you you're close. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, Dad, you listening? How about them bears? Uh, <laughs> what, what a way to start know. the Saturday morning show. That's on me. I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. We're just wonderful. Sitting, I mean, what's wrong with starting off with uh, Elijah being conceived? You know, let's. Hey, it's happened to all of us. Right? Highlight like, of my life. That's how Highlight we all got life. here. Yeah. That's how we all, that's how, so most of us got here. Not everybody. There's some test tube things going on, too. I, you know, there's a lot of different ways these days. Uh, huh. Hey, you know, uh, <laughs> seeing as we're on the, the podcast form now, you know, you, know how many, you know how many openings or how many creative ways we can weave in your business you know what I'm saying? Oh my God, we can sell all kinds of segments now. Not sell, partner with customers to help build awareness for their brand through this here show. The numbers are ridiculous. Elijah was just talking. We were just talking right right before we got on the air. Like, what, what kind of numbers does this podcast even pull? And Elijah's like, like forty nine million a weekend. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, blind lies this morning. Mar- <laughs> margin of error, margin of error, forty nine million. But it's around there, plus or minus, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's around there. It's right. It does well though. It really does well. Yeah, it's probably because we've it. been doing this since Elijah was, you know, just post conception. He was like four, or five, six. When were you born, Elijah? Uh, 99, March of 99. 99, my goodness. Not quite yeah, so since we, 99, but since 09. Yeah, so we've been doing this since so you were 10. You were, and you were one of our old. first listeners. You were one of our first listeners at age 10. What did you think of us back then? Well, I, I have told you this story before, right, of whenever uh, I sit down for my, my job interview with Schmitty way back when, when he was first hiring me, and... Uh, I sit down in the interview and I hear Schmitty's voice and I go, wait, 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 wait. I did grow up listening to you. You're the guy who was with Jason Peter way back when. I used to listen to Schmitty every single day on my ride home from school growing up. And uh, as soon as I told Schmitty that, I think I was I was pretty much a shoe in to get the job. Uh, but you yeah, know, me and my dad's <laughs> like, go on. <laughs> every, single, every single day, driving home from elementary school, we're listening to, to Schmitty and Jason Peter on the airwaves. And it's just one of those small world things where I sit down for a job interview because... Uh, my buddy Will just referred me for this job. He's like, it's not great for me. I think you'd be really good. And I go, oh, wait, I listen to this dude every single day growing up. What are the odds? So small world moment. Maybe that's why Schmitty and I work well together. But I have actually did grow up listening to Schmitty. I'm not sure about the Saturday morning edition, but maybe on a game day. Well, the uh, that's a little hurtful, but OK. <laughs> the the uh, growing up and listening and then what's even darker <laughs> from the elderly standpoint is I was calling games uh, I just started for Southeast. Mm-hmm. He's playing left oh. tackle. So there's there's rosters and jerseys somewhere in my office. Of was Southeast. Elijah Olay style or was he? Yeah, he was, he was, a, he was a good good tackle. Okay, good. I think just making you're, sure you're, you weren't just kind of letting them making business decisions over there and letting no. The, I think I think it was past you. Eli up your quarterback. No. Eli Herbal was is how it was listed on the the Southeast roster at the time. So. Okay. Yeah, now I remember it because you also platooned in on the defensive line too, didn't you? Yes, very. Whenever we were into a five-man defensive line, they brought me in, and I almost pooped my pants every single time. I hated playing defensive line. 
It was really? no fun. You, you preferred offense, really? Oh, because with, with offense, it's very simple. You know, it's like you're going to take your defensive lineman, you're going to move him from point A to point B, and then like that's you've you've done your job for the play. If everyone does their job, it's okay. It's a five six yard gain. We're get, pull, picking up first downs. On the defensive side of the ball, you have to read, react, and think, and I didn't quite like that. I didn't like having yeah. to, you know what, half a second into a play, I have to figure out where the ball is going, and then, okay, how am I going to get past my defender to get there, or my uh, offensive lineman to get there? No fun. I was not a fan of defense at all. What about pass pro? Were, like, were you okay with pass pro? I like pass pro. Pass pro is probably my strong yeah. suit. So uh, yeah. He didn't get I called for holding very often, and I probably did about three Southeast games a, a year. But it so. should be noted, I never got invited on for a pregame interview with Schmitty, so how special was I really? Well, because the linemen would always say the same stuff when you interview them. Well, you know, I'm just one of the guys, you know. Like, they don't. You need somebody that's a little cocky that like says a little bit about what they're gonna do. Oh, it's just you know me and the rest of the teammates. Like, quit being all like a since, good citizen. That's since not it what is we need memory, on this interview. Memory lane. Uh, the, the first interview Cranock landed for this uh, this partnership. I don't even remember this? What is? Oh this? no, you don't. It was Richie Incognito. Finally. He was a senior in high school. I so, but yeah, I, I did that for another. Oh well, I guess I would have done it for both because yeah. I was. Uh, you're producing for somebody. Yeah, yeah, because I was with the network too as an yeah, intern. You were producing for Rosie, weren't you? Here, yeah. So here's a trip. Listen to this story. This is kind of interesting. So let's think. Let's think real quick about Richie Incognito, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's let's just go ahead and be like, hold on. What kind of name is that? Like last name, incognito. Like, okay, that's a different last name. That's different. So back then, I, I'm, I'm looking up, and uh, he, he had just committed to Nebraska, so I'm trying to get him on the network. And we call, and his dad answers, right? And RIP, from what I understand. Um, his dad answers, you're looking for Big Richie or Little Richie? And I'm like, uh <laughs> Little Richie's like, yeah, Nebraska. Where, how you guys doing up there in Nebraska? I'm sitting in my pool right now. And, uh, you, you know, it's more, what is you guy? He's, he's got like 20 degrees, 30 degrees. I mean, just straight New York, like, hardcore accent, right? And and Richie wasn't around, but he got, got a hold of us later and blah, blah, blah. And I just couldn't help but think, man. I, like, later on, like, little conspiracy theory here, like, Pops was witness protection program, wasn't he? <laughs> he must have been. Incognito. God rest his soul. He had to have been. Mr. Incognito, in, yes. Get him down I don't in the know. desert. Like, uh, that's probably BS. I don't know. But I'm just saying, pretty interesting that the dude's name is literally Incognito. He, he sounded name. like he could show you thick, around Little Italy is what you're telling me. Thick New York accent, chilling in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, it was pretty interesting. Big Richie or Little Richie. What are, you, what are you doing up there in Nebraska? <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, we are hoping your son can come play and, and hurt people on the offensive line, and he delivered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you wouldn't say Richie was necessarily well-adjusted in his early days, right? Like, No, know. but let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, there, there's a part of us, while Milt and Dan Young probably were frustrated at times, when he was choking out that Penn State guy, we all kind of smiled. <laughs> all right. Well, well Richie Incognito is one of those guys that you always hear football players talk about saying, like, 
Yeah, we didn't quite like having him on the team, but it was a hell of a lot better having him on our team than him being on the other team. And every single football team needs uh, one of those guys, at least one, where it's, you know you what? Is he a bit yeah. of a pain to have around? Yeah, but thank God we're not playing against him. I think in order to be like a football team, especially a Big Ten football team, you got to have one of those guys that you just don't want to have to go play against because they're so mean and nasty. It kind of sets the tone for your football team. And you can be mean and nasty, right? I think a lot of teams will have a handful of those guys, but you're not might not be good enough to really let that show, right? Like you could be just the most aggressive little 175 pound. You could be the most aggressive Chihuahua, but you're not doing damage, right? That mm. this dude, and I, Sue was kind of like that too. Sue mm. was a little more well adjusted, but they actually had the skills plus that uber aggression, and it's like whoa. At that point, look out, right? At that point, you're talking all pro. You're talking first rounder. <laughs> you're talking award winner. That's that's where you got to combine. I wonder if Nebraska has that dude. I, I don't know. I, I don't. They'll find somebody. I mean, you've got to you got to have a, a personality or two that is Sue like, that is Peter like, that is incognito like, that is able to have a measure of fear factor in him. Like guys yeah. are scared of, yeah. and it's well, gotta be, I, you gotta have a, you gotta be able to have a switch. You, you, you can flip on and, and obviously off the thing that was impressive about incognito. And I had a buddy that, that donated and was, a, a, you know, as, as dollar bill put it, a donor of substance, <laughs> So he got to sit in Callahan's room and watch film, right? There's a few folks that would, hey, why don't you come by? And I can't do the Callahan impersonation like you can, Cranach, but let's, uh, why don't you come by and, and we'll watch some, by, film. watch some film? <laughs> hey, we watch so, some film. So Callahan's got the old laser pointer out and he's showing film to this um, uh, booster of substance, this Lincoln businessman. And, and he's showing, you know, his West Coast offense and why it is going to work. And all it takes is three yards of separation. And that's a touchdown. And, you know, just spending some quality time with the guy who's who's donating. And and then he's like, watch this guy. We got to keep, you know, a leash on him is, is what it was described to me about incognito. But he's he's showing incognito pulling. Right. He's able to pull as, as a lineman. And he's like. There's nobody in the NFL that can do what he does as well as he does with his feet. And it's early on. I mean, people mm -hmm. pulled for years, but if you're playing tackle or center, it was not super common. So it's, it's a big yeah. ask. You're a monster athlete. If you can do it and do it well, think of Cam Jurgens, right? And he's like, this guy, my goodness, he's, there's nobody in the NFL can do what he can do. And then, you know, back to, to put a bow on the incognito tribute this morning um, <laughs> which we had totally prepped and planned um was yeah. was the fact that despite getting bounced at nebraska and spending a second and then not playing at oregon the guy went in the third round <laughs> and 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 think of yeah. first round talent third down third round landing spot and then i mean he had in, a really incredible career he just retired, but he was with the Rams, and I don't know that that went super well. But then he really found a, a home. I mean, he was good with Miami until it went sideways off the field for the bullying stuff. 
Now, everybody else in that locker room loved the guy. So to your guys' point about um, his personality and what you, what you kind of got to have on the team but keep away from others, <laughs> uh, you need that enforcer. Well, and, and I'm interested to see as this team builds personality-wise, and Rule keeps saying all the right things, but I love uh, his, his methods to develop, not just – all right, here's what we're going to do uh, practice-wise, but even just like the team building, right? The the Husker Olympics, another example, case in point, guys, of just how he's trying to get guys to be uber competitive all the time. He's trying to get guys to practice the right way or have a, a certain mentality or mindset, build confidence. All those things have been points of emphasis over the winter conditioning, and it's also – He's assessing, right? What do I have and who's who's somebody that's that's like us or or got it in them to be somebody that can help the football team? Because there's still probably 15 or 20 guys over what they want to carry, right? They're still assessing fit, position, and, and what this roster can look like so they can get into fall and, and get better for – or get into spring so they can get better for fall. Well, the question to me is, is can that mean and nasty, tough type football team, can that be developed within an offseason? Is that something that you have to recruit to in order to develop? Can you have that enforcer guy step up throughout the course of an offseason? Because I don't think Nebraska currently, at least from what I've seen on the field, necessarily has an enforcer on their football team. And when I think back the good football teams in my lifetime, even before that. You mentioned that the Peter brothers being that for Nebraska in the 90s. Then you get to incognito early 2000s. You have Sue through those uh, early Bo Pelini year teams. That was your enforcer. And then a little later in the Pelini years, I think it's probably Randy Gregory for that team being your enforcer. But then you also have a guy like Vincent Valentine inside that nobody wanted to mess with. And then I look back at the past five years, even eight years, and I go – who was the enforcer for this football team over the past couple of years? It's kind of something that, that Nebraska lacked whenever you compare that around to other teams in the Big Ten. Other teams in the Big Ten had an enforcer type, and I just wonder, is that something that, that can be developed in a guy? Is that something that is naturally within a guy that you have to recruit to in order to go unlock? That's a question to me in my mind is with 15 spring practices and then 20-something uh, fall practices before you're playing your first game, can you develop that in that little amount of time? I think you see, Elijah, I think that's got to be sort of who you are. And then it can be highlighted as a coach. It can be accentuated, but I think you come in with that mentality to a degree. You know, Sue told something interesting, too, because when, when he won the when he won the Outland at the time I was at uh, at a, one of the places that sponsored the Outlands. And so I had to interview him for the videos uh, for, for the ceremony. Right. So he had already won the Outland. We knew that. But then there's, you know, the big ceremony in Omaha and there's sort of like this tribute video and talk to him about that. And he more or less said that after the 08 season is when a switch flipped where he just pretty much made a decision, like a conscious decision to just go ahead and be great. <laughs> he was always he was already really good. And he credits the Polinis for for bringing that out in him. Uh, credits Bo, but he was sort of like, and he was good. He was a good player. He was quick. He was strong. You could see all that stuff. A little bit of a hothead, uh, but he his body wasn't quite the same. He he was carrying extra weight. He wasn't 
he was he wasn't getting after it in the weight room as much as maybe he could have. Uh, and then, you know, he got in like a, he got an evaluation after his, I believe it was sophomore year where they were saying he couldn't pass rush. I mean, he's literally telling me this, like, he's like, yeah, they're saying I can't pass rush. Don't know how to use my hands. I'm just like, these are like the things that he's noted for now. <laughs> right. So then he really, so he combined that Uber aggression with the actual skills, but it was a conscious decision he had to make. However, he came in with that capability. He, he, you know what I'm saying? Like he came in already with superstar written all over him. If he decided to really get after it and take advantage completely and have a different level of commitment in the weight room and otherwise, once he did that, he became Sue. Well, <laughs> he became Sue that we all know, you know, it'll be interesting to see how many guys can, can get brought. What's what exists, what's in you and what gets, taken out and and elevated by this yeah. new staff, by rule, by his coaches, to your point, similar to what Bo and Carl got into to sue about because he was really good in 08, like you touched on. Especially he, late in the year. Yeah, I mean, that, that whole defense was was fun, especially when they beat Clemson. His kids coming out, and that was Sue's coming out party to me. Yeah. Or not, well – even before that, I guess with Colorado and everything, he he was yeah. he was really good. He was all conference, but he went to you know, number two pick overall <laughs> in a year. Which he, I talked, we talked to Russell Andy a lot for our draft insight, and even with that draft grade you were talking about, because Sue could have gone to the NFL or he was going to transfer, ironically, to to Oregon State after mm-hmm. Callahan got let go and play for Coach Riley. So there was a, a connection with with Riley and Sue, him being from Portland. And what's uh, what's really cool is Sue was still a third or fourth round draft grade with minimal yeah. stats yeah. Pre- prior prior to the 08 season. And then you see what what happens uh, with with 2009 and and I mean we're talking Drafted in 2010, we're in 2023. I mean, 13-year NFL career, three Super Bowls, boatload of Pro Bowls. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of yeah. Famer, but he's he's infamous. He's infamous. Incognito's infamous. <laughs> right. I mean, and, and but you need that. You need that guy right on the yeah. football team. And I, you know, we'll see who emerges. Who's going yeah. to emerge for Nebraska and, this spring? Not to be a psycho badass, but just somebody that can help push others either through fear or by example. And as I've had some time to think about it, I think the closest thing Nebraska's had in the past couple of years was probably JoJo Doman, but that was less fear of of him, you know, fl- flipping the switch and going crazy on the field, more just the fear of him going and making a negative play which is a different kind of fear for an offense. Right, and I think maybe yeah, the closest yeah. thing Nebraska has in the roster now to being that enforcer is Ty Robinson. You saw that two years ago with the defensive line where he would sometimes go out and, and make a play that was less trying to find the ball carrier and more just trying to kill the offensive lineman in front of him. But that kind of went away last season. And that's the, the, the number one can I think of as a guy that the coaching staff could unlock to be that mean, nasty streak kind of guy in your defense. Because what you're talking about, Elijah, it takes a different level. <clears throat> when you're at this level, you better be a pretty scary, ridiculous, aggressive dude to intimidate another 300-pound Division One offensive. But that's exactly what Sue did, mm-hmm. right? Like, 
other dudes who practiced year round and were in the weight room year round and were four stars and probably had good draft grades themselves. And were, he scared them, <laughs> right? Like that's a different level. The same with incognito. They're probably like this punk, whatever. But then after a while, they're like, oh my God, this dude is not letting up. And he, I do not like playing against it. Like, this is terrible. <laughs> you know, when you start questioning, when you make the other team question, like, if you even like playing the sport anymore, <laughs> that, that's what that's what you're sort of after, right? And I think the intimidation yeah. factor has to reach that point because you're talking Sue and Incognito. Guys that that other team are going to see on film in the previous week and go, oh, it's going to be a lot, win or lose, it's going to be a long Saturday for me. Like, the Texas offensive line, I guarantee going to that Big 12 championship game was like, Oh, man, I'm not looking forward to this assignment this week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look Simple at, as look that. At, look at managing editor Brandon Vogel just pop appearing on the screen. This is so awesome. I like this new format. It's the intimidation Vogue's, factor from Brandon hopping in here like this. <laughs> Vogue's looks all mild mannered and and calm, but as soon as he gets done with these twenty five minute hits every Saturday morning, I'm sure he goes Don Draper on his uh, his office desk and just clears it off i just wasted a half hour of my life with these yahoos but we thank him kindly for for doing it uh vogues good to see you this morning Uh, at brandon l vogel on twitter is where you find brandon uh managing editor hailvarsity.com and magazine get the subscription to the uh of course digital and magazine at uh, hail it's hailvarsity.com backslash offer where you can go to get a deal but we're just talking about those difference makers on the field and in the locker room. And it started out with the personalities that the Nebraska fans still smile about because, well, they were our air quote, our personalities, uh, incognito Sue, uh, who else am I missing? Uh, those, the, the Peter brothers specifically, uh, those little bits of extra, some of the more memorable teams had, and uh, we're trying to figure out, you know, what personalities, what leadership, because that's been a, a big focus here the last couple of weeks as Coach Rule's spoken and he's taken questions, you know, and, and, and uh, Greg Sharp asked a really good question on the network this week, you know, do you know who your leaders are? And there's all sorts of different types of leadership. And Rule's been really careful to talk too much about vocal leadership, right? He's... He's like, let's just focus on focus on the here and now, and I'm paraphrasing, but let's just worry about today before uh, we, we we move on. And and I think Nebraska's found out a little bit about themselves and their personnel uh, through this uh, this teamwork session, this winter conditioning. It's been uh, it's been eye opening, I think, for the staff and also some of the team. Yeah, I would agree, um, and I think credit to to Matt Rule. Uh, you know, most recently this week, but really throughout his his time here so far, uh, a little over a hundred days, 
he's pretty clear on this when it when it comes to when it comes to the leadership piece of it and you know he used the word availability paired with accountability this this past week and i thought you know that that kind of sums it up like are you the person you say you are to kind of paraphrase one of the things he said and like are you there are you on time um all of those things uh and we can kind of leave the the fiery locker room stuff to the side it's sometimes it's the right thing sometimes it's it's not the right thing um but it's it's kind of an action-based uh i guess approach to this and you know some of those guys that you mentioned uh sue incognito peter brothers um this is gonna seem like way too early so like grain of salt like yes we're all taking every precaution here but the best bet for nebraska right now with one of those guys they might be thomas fedoni um seeing him Mm -hmm. pop up uh as as one of the two guys selected to speak um but you pair that with you know also his his talent you know he said straight out uh I think I can be the Mackey Award winner. I can be the best tight end in college football. I can be a first or second round draft pick. And that's not – when you're a five-star, that's basically kind of where that – it puts you in that world coming out of high school. Now, he's there's there's a lot to overcome. Coming coming back from one in knee injury is tough. I can't imagine what it's like coming back from two. But when you t- think about talent, physicality, and now if we can add the leadership piece based on – what happened over January. Um, that's somebody who I, we all know he's very important to Nebraska. They need some a tight end to emerge, but he might be giving you more than just, oh, there's your top tight end. Hmm. Yep. And then the prospects of him pairing up with Eric, I think it's Eric mm-hmm. Gilbert. It is. Yeah. Uh, I've heard some people say Eric and all kinds of stuff. Anyways. Uh, but they haven't said Gilbert, so they're they're getting that part right, which is good. Uh, the the prospects there is it's it's pretty awesome to think about. If you could have both of those guys performing at kind of what their projections were, different team altogether offensively. Obviously, here's something else, Brandon. The way and grain of salt with all this, like as far as you know, the, the rules broken up the the team into you know groups of ten to twelve, appointed captains for each of them. They competed on a lot of different levels. I don't know if he was a captain, but he seems to be getting quite a bit of love, and he just won the dunk contest. And he's one of the fastest players on the team, apparently, according to Miles Per Hour, Heinrich Harburg. Is, huh. Has that made you sort of stop and ponder a little bit? Because I feel like Harburg had been wholly dismissed by Whipple. Yeah, I would agree. And I mean, even during Joseph's interim stint, you know, he, he wasn't shy about uh, at, later in the season as Casey Thompson was dealing with injury, the guys they brought on the road of, of saying a couple of those guys weren't ready and, and Harburg being one of them. Um, he was always an interesting prospect for, for Nebraska. And, and to be quite honest, you know, just with a coaching change, I think particularly with quarterbacks, unless you're like the guy, I kind of look at everyone from from second on the depth chart on down as like, well, you got to figure with the coaching change, any of these guys could could potentially leave. And then with Harburg as somebody who was down pretty deep with the last coaching staff, or at least the last interim coaching staff for sure, um, <clears throat> he was one of those guys. And and now you look at him and 
well, I mean, the athleticism was always there, but you didn't have a head coach being like, this is one of the fastest guys on the team, which, which raises eyebrows. And you just look at him size wise, like kind of a versatile athlete, potentially, if, if a new coaching staff can say, Hey, look, and I don't know if this is the case, just theoretically, look, your best bet to play right now might be doing something else. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's that's going to be the case, but he's a player who, with the you know, athleticism and size, you could certainly, you know, it's not a non-starter, that conversation, I guess, in my point. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, we've been talking about position changes quite a bit and kind of prognosticating who's a candidate. I think he's a candidate, right? He very much could be. Uh, the the other one I thought of that maybe we hadn't thought of before as we listen a little bit more to um, what their ideal is and how they want to get speed on the field. If you go to defense, so we I think we automatically assume Miles Farmer's back. He's going to start at safety. Then you kind of think about his speed or lack thereof. It's not the fastest dude, but he'll hit you. And I'm like. Does, is is, he, is that one of those – is Nebraska entering one of these kind of early, early 90s type eras where it's like defensive backs become linebackers, linebackers become defensive line? He, he seems like he could be another candidate. Like he still belongs on the field. But if you want to get quicker in the back end, maybe slide him up to, to backer. And backer's not super stacked right now either. No, it's not. And I mean, I think if you if you potentially move him, you know, up a level or even leave him at safety. Um, I was just sliding over here looking because I thought this was the case based on a previous look. You know, I think the three, three, five, whatever form it takes, you know, and the coaches have been clear, like they don't even know for sure yet. But if that's your base approach looking at Syracuse's tackle numbers pretty quickly, like there are, there are DBs in there among their top two, three leading tacklers uh, mm. all three years that white is there. Uh, I don't recognize the names on the top of my head, but I'm going to assume those are safeties. Um, so you might not even have to move him. You might not even have to change his yeah. title, um, but <laughs> right. if he can be your kind of in the box force. Like that's got to come from somewhere. You've only got six in the box in a three, three, five, standard line you know lineup um so somebody's going to be coming down and, and it can be the nickel it can be a safety um if, mm. if you really feel good about that and i think farmer is somebody who's kind of tailor-made for for that type of role mm. brandon whenever you, yeah. you zoom out and look at the three three five a a little bit more here how important do you think that nickel position is going to be? I've seen people in the NFL call it the most difficult position on defense in the NFL with how you have to a, blitz the quarterback, B, uh, get into your run fits and, and stop the run, especially whenever I look at the Big Ten. It's going to be huge. You're going to be taking on Big Ten offensive linemen and tight ends, but then also you got to go cover the slot wide receiver and be able to cover in space. It just feels like it's a, a position that's going to be very paramount to this defense to have somebody good there, and I think your options right now are probably Javen Wright and Isaac Gifford with your nickel spot. I'm not sure how you feel about that, but I just want to get your take on how important that position is going to be for this defense moving forward with how much they're going to be forced to do. Yeah, it's always been a tough assignment, kind of no matter what your what your base alignment is. 
Um, and, and maybe the three, three, five helps a little bit with that. I, I would agree with you when you look at kind of Wright and Gifford as the two names you immediately pencil in and, and come to mind. And I expect there'll be some, some other names that emerge as we go through spring practices a little bit, but I, I feel pretty good about, about both of those players. I think they've got some promise. I think the nice thing about, uh, the three three five in theory cheap borders listed as a linebacker at the moment you know called it maneuverable um and you know i think that that works uh, adaptable so if you do have you know nominally a, a nickel who who maybe is a little bit stronger in coverage right now or maybe is stronger against the run i think you have the flexibility to to kind of put those guys in the spot where they they're able to have the most success that said like the difference maker you know to go back to kind of like sue incognito um that that kind of discussion like if you've got a nickel who can do a little bit of everything and we saw some of this with with jojo doman i think more recently um boy is it is it a valuable valuable weapon to have i think that's the big thing like the upside uh, for a nickelback who can do that is is really really high. If you don't have you know one of those players who's who are, who's a little bit of a unicorn to to be quite frank, like I think you can still make it work and 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 put them in position to have success. But we'll see. Uh, you know when we look at that position now, it's not like there's anybody we say, well there's your, there's your unicorn. Um, you're hoping to find one. Brandon Vogel's with us here, weekend edition, Hail Varsity, presented by. Currency as we dive into some spring football thoughts. And I like the topic of those unicorns. And there is so many guys that, that are listed in Nebraska's secondary. I don't know who stays. I don't know who goes. But I like Mark's point of that early 90s comparison because it was transformative uh, with an Ed Stewart that went to say, from safety to linebacker. Ed, you're not as fast as you need to be at safety, but you can tackle really well. How about linebacker, son? <laughs> you know, and, and Coach McBride tells a story how he hated it, and then, oh, damn, I'm an All-American at this spot. But being able to be unique defensively and get away with being able to stand up to the run is, is what's going to be key here because you can be athletic and a difference maker with – moving, you know, you go out, you go inside out where your safeties turn into outside backers. Your outside backers is your, is your middle backer. Uh, your, your defensive ends or outside linebackers are, are just that, but they have more speed to it. And then your, 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 even your interior tackles are quick enough to, to be athletic and, and, and make plays, but yet still have that big dude, or two clog up the middle. I mean, it sounds eerily familiar with this defense or what the three, three, five can, can morph into as to what Nebraska shifted to in the four, three. I'm, I'm interested too with this spring folks, who are some guys you're thinking it's really now or never for them to pop new staff, new scheme. Is there one guy on offense, one guy on defense you're circling this spring that, all right, let's find this guy that's got all this promise, all this athleticism, has had some hype, and they've really given a lot of their life to the program. Let's find a, a, a landing spot for them on the team where they can contribute. Yeah, um, I mean, I think defensively, 
Um, I look at some of the the recent transfers, so not guys who transferred in under this new staff. So I guess maybe it doesn't check the box of like, hey, they put in a ton of time. But I think somebody like Omar Brown, he's a player I really, really liked um, when he came in. And, you know, we saw a little bit of him. Uh, we saw him carrying Teddy Prasca, which uh, wasn't, wasn't, couldn't have been a ton of, ton of fun um, in some of the videos that have come out this week. But he's a player who, like, if you have success at the FCS level, and I think this is getting borne out as we get into the transfer transfer era a little bit more, like, that's a, that's a pretty big sign for me of, hey, here's a guy who can do some things. Um, doesn't matter to me at least that it happened at a lower level. Um, so, so I'd go with him there maybe on, on defense off the top of my head. And then offensively, um, Gabe Irvin Jr. comes to mind. Yeah. Guy who had a really Mm. strong freshman season, of course, and then was right there in the mix, got, got injured this past season. Um, well, got injured his freshman season, I I should say. Um, but a player who's been to me really impressive, and just due to circumstance, and now, you know, Nebraska's top two rushers at running back return. So there's there's no shortage of options. But he's somebody who I think if we get to the end of the spring ball and like, no, he's right there with the two guys who got the bulk of the carries last year, uh, that would be a very good development for the Huskers. Gabe Irvin's almost like the DB that does the incomplete sign after every play that he's some semi-involved in in terms of flexing. Have you guys noticed that? Gabe Irvin gets a carry. He gets three yards. He is getting up, staring off into the ether, double pump, show the guns. If I had those pipes, I would flex all the time. He cracks me up. Seriously, it, it, it could be a four-yard run, and the dude is just like, I work out, you know? <laughs> Showing the biceps. It's, it's really something. It's really something. Do, Brandon, do you expect after spring – um, because the roster is getting whittled down, you know, there's, there's folks that have left. It's, it's not physically as large as it, as it was. D- do you expect a, a, a lot of people to hit the transfer portal to hang it up after spring? Or do you think, do you think it'll kind of be just sort of normal of what you can expect, you know, maybe your typical six to eight type guys? I mean, with with where Nebraska's roster numbers are at, I, I would expect it to be slightly elevated, I guess, to use our terror assessment risk terms. Um, <laughs> for, for, for lack of, wow. lack of a better uh, measuring you. stick that comes immediately to mind. Sorry, maybe that's too much for a Saturday morning. <laughs> slightly elevated transfer numbers because Nebraska needs to. Um, but I would say that I, it may not be as as big as we would expect for a post spring year one under a new coaching staff like i don't think this is going to be kind of a a hard culling for for lack of another better term again really struggling with with fitting terms this morning i suppose but you look at the numbers at defensive back you, you gotta expect some attrition there though i will say like and chris was talking about it earlier you look at defense and there's just a lot of options and a lot of sorting to be done there I personally, I've never coached football at this level or any level, to be to be honest. But <laughs> I like that as an idea of just having 
a big pool of players defensively because it is difficult. I mean, to go to Elijah's kind of story near the top of the show about his storied high school football career, the difference between offense and defense, like you got to be athletic over there and you've got to be, I mean, defense is reactionary. So like put as many options as you can on that side of the ball in my mind and, and see who can handle it. See, see who Mm. excels on, on that side of things. And, you know, it's it, it's great for guys. You're like, okay, you're you're clearly a receiver. You're clearly a running back or a lineman. Everybody else, I'm like, start them on defense. See what you can do, um, hmm. and, and adjust from there. Yeah, and Brent, Brent, whenever we talk about those potential position switch guys, Heinrich Harburg. I mean, name a guy that just kind of feels lost in the mix. I mean, how would you feel about a guy like Heinrich Harburg? And I mentioned it earlier this week as being a great fullback name. That just sounds like a guy who should be a fullback. And that's <laughs> that's with no actual insight into his football playing ability, whether or not he could play fullback. But he just sounds like a fullback. But, like, Heinrich Harburg playing defense? Is that kind of what you're getting at here? It could be a possibility? <laughs> um, maybe not that one. Calling his shot. Calling his shot. Would, uh, you could you could think about it. You know, with Har- somebody like Harburg, when you just kind of like dream up scenarios with him, uh, the Johnny Stanton route going going to fullback uh, is is potential. You, you, you know, we've got some history, at least uh, in football in general, of, of quarterbacks flipping to to tight end potentially. I think that's that's another option. Um, but yeah, so maybe I'm not ready to move a quarterback to to defense, though. I guess there are crazier. Right? Hmm. So no, no Tony Veland. Okay, okay, I get you. I know there's an example out there somewhere that I'm overlooking, but no, no. I bet. I mean, it's think about what you take as a quarterback. You take the smartest, athlete, most athletic guy on your team. I mean, that's that's what it takes to be, or the guy with the best arm, anyway. And and there you go. But no, I mean, think about Nebraska not only bringing the fullback back but nebraska bringing the fullback back to the tune of a uh, a sub 10 100 guy <laughs> yeah that, scott frost the, at stanford i guess there's another example yeah came there up we with go. one no that's fine that's good son we don't like how you throw the ball how do you feel about safety <laughs> it's pretty good safety. lord nfl Oh, boom, two years. Yeah, Jamal Lord, seventh-round pick, Texans. I love it. We're coming up with quarterback to safeties all the time. And we can there thank you Carl. I guess you're right, Elijah. We, hey, and if you, can, if you go back even further, Luke Gifford was a high school quarterback and came into Nebraska as an athlete. They didn't know where they were going to put him, and he ends up starting out at safety and then moving down into linebackers. So there's another example, kind of. And, that, and that's really kind of what I'm talking about with, like, just get as big a group as you can on defense Luke Gifford you take him out of southeast you're like this guy can just play football we don't know what we're going to do with him yet but we'll figure it out those are the guys that really intrigue me um when you start talking defensively hmm. I do remember Gifford quarterback briefly let's get him the ball and run the wild night instead of the wild cat Vogues what's uh, happening with you what what did you call it, Elijah? What was it? What did you guys have a, a name for the Wildcat at Southeast? Uh, it was a little before my time, but by the time I finally got up to varsity, we uh, we didn't do that anymore. We didn't need to. Our offensive line was good enough that we could just run the ball with a running back, and we were good to go. So, <laughs> of, of, of course, it was. Yes. <laughs> no gimmicks. No gimmicks needed. 
That's so good. That's hilarious. Vogues, what's happening with Hale Varsity, bud, uh, this weekend? Yeah, uh, getting the March issue ready to go for, for next week. So that'll that'll ship out next week. Jacob Padilla's got a great feature on uh, on Derek Walker in this upcoming issue. Kind of a, a little bit of a career capper for a guy who I think gave a lot to the University of Nebraska. Um, I'm working on a spring football preview for, for that issue. Jacob is also, mm-hmm. as always, uh, he's got state basketball covered uh, for us, providing some great stuff. Drake Drake Keeler will be at baseball all weekend. Um, so hopefully the Huskers keep keep rolling on that front. And then we'll have we'll have softball recap. They're on the road, of course, but softball recap coming up early next week. Uh, so really have, have just about everything covered, um, I believe, and find out where the state, I guess, of, of Nebraska's basketball seasons on, on both fronts here this weekend. So we'll have plenty on that front too. Little, hey, a little more on that spring preview. What about what, what, what angles are we taking here? There's about a million that you can take. What, which, what's kind of driving the, the, the coverage there for the spring preview? Yeah. Uh, so just looking at kind of some key questions on three key questions on, on both sides of the ball. Um, mm-hmm. Got to, you know, kind of open that with talking about you know, team competition week that the basically all the winter workouts I found really interesting. And, and it's kind of a way into a way into this preview. And then, like you yeah. said, it was it was almost harder to, to trim the list to three key questions on, on each side as it was. But so, so digging into some of that, some of these guys that we've talked about, um, whether they're returning starters, guys, we haven't heard a ton of from before. So just trying to set the stage as, as Nebraska will get things underway officially here and, you know, a little more than a week. Awesome. Bogues, appreciate you, bud. Thanks for the time today. Thanks guys. Have a good one. Thanks Brandon. Good stuff from Brandon Vogel. Well, Good stuff from Brandon Vogel, I guess, is what Chris was saying. More time. Uh, uh, you removed yourself from the stream, I think. Yeah, it was an accident. I was trying to bring on Gary Sharp in a hostage situation. Hold on. Got to let the dog out, okay? They're just... Well, I, right. no, no, hold on. Continue. I'll be right back, I guess, yeah. is what I was saying. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Iron Horse joins us, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, uh, just what you wanted. Uh, Mark Cranach to, to run and hide. Uh, how are you doing this morning? I don't think Sharpie's hearing us. <laughs> Do you hear us? All right. All right, well, Schmidt, I guess you and this I is... can just roll for a second here until we yeah, figure out the situation good. with Gary. This is strange. I'm looking, he, he's got that look of befuddlement on his face like he doesn't know why he can't hear us. Um, and I would try to talk him through it, but then I realized he can't hear us. So, Yeah. We'll shoot him a text and uh, get it figured out. We, we can hear him. See. Yeah. Sharpie, do you got us, partner? Ah, the technical difficulties of uh, starting this show out in an online-only sense. Again, this yeah. does uh, open up a lot of opportunities for us, though. And we are back. Sharpie, how are you, man? Hey, good morning. How are you guys? Good. Um, are you just in a dark room, or have you been kidnapped? Uh, no, I'm in the uh, home office today. I like it. I like it, man. No, every time there's a dark backdrop and, and we've got you in front of the camera, it looks like somebody's about to ask us for money to free you. So. 
I just hope nobody just runs by just a random. <laughs> we were we were kind of going down memory lane with, I don't know, our, our careers and the, the fact that we've been doing stuff together before Elijah was born. He pointed that out. Uh, which oh, was wow. which was humbling <laughs> and scary at the same time. But yeah. we 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 got into that enforcer type personality or player on a Nebraska on a given Nebraska team. Uh, Richie Incognito and Dominican Sue, the Peter brothers specifically. Yeah. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Nebraska has that guy uh, on. Matt Rule's first team because there's been a lot of a learning sharpie that's that's gone on, not only from teammates to teammates but also with Matt Rule and his staff with this team. I mean, there's there's been a there's been a, a, a reason for for everything they've done, even with the Husker Olympics. Right? What are some athletes in different settings that maybe we see more of and and can use on the football field in a different way? You know, you know, and that's a good point. And as a pretty good winter conditioning is wrapped up where you don't hear as many people that have like absorbed the content going, Oh, you can't, you can't drink the Kool-Aid because I think Matt rule has done a really good job in a hundred plus days on the, on the job of explaining the why like Monday was very interesting press conference with Matt rule, chief borders and Thomas Fedoni because rule explained the why of why they're having commitment week, why they're having Olympics, why they're doing this, why Fedoni and borders are there. And I think when you have somebody that's in charge, especially the passion towards Nebraska football, and we all want content, and we all want to know what's going on. When you have a head coach that explains the why, people get an understanding. And, and I think everything he's done has a reason, has a meaning. And you can, in your head, maybe you don't know the full meaning, but you can put it together and go, okay, I see a plan here. But he's also done something that I think has been preached around Nebraska football for a while. And it's the phrase of, Becoming comfortable being uncomfortable. And it's, it's not just football. It's, it's like in, in, a, in your business world, in your life, whatever. And I think they've put guys in situations where they're uncomfortable, but they're comfortable doing it. And I think those the kind of things that build up can help you when you get to the fall and you get stressed and you're in the fourth quarter. So I think everything they've done has a meaning. It's not just, okay, it's winter conditioning. We got to do this. We got to build guys up. We got to get stronger. We got to get faster. They've done it from the team bonding, which I don't know that this publicly we've seen as much team bonding as this staff has put together in a short amount of time. Um, but now we're all curious to see how it works because I also don't think we're going to have a normal spring practice like, hey, you just go out there and you practice for a couple of hours and we culminate with a game. I think it'll be a, a very intriguing practice structure that I think we'll also get the why of you know, why they're doing it this way that'll eventually help them when they get back, when they get to the part of the season where they keep score. Gary, you mentioned the, the team bonding aspect of, of this team commitment week and what we've seen over the past few weeks and months, but I want to get your take. I mean, obviously you need to get team bonding with any team because every single year there's going to be new faces coming to the, to the forefront and new guys that need to get integrated. But did the teams of years past, specifically the Scott Frost years, look like teams that weren't close and weren't bonded to you? And like this is something that was really necessary for Matt Rule to get off the start? Or you think this is just the baseline of what Matt Rule wants to bring to Nebraska, that, you know what, we're going to have close teams? Well, which side of that fence are you on? No, I think that's a fair question, Elijah. And I, and I think everybody does it a different way. 
everybody might not call it mat drills, but they have some sort of mat drills. I think the thing that I take away, and you know, you, you bond a lot during winter conditioning. If you don't, and during summer conditioning, then what are we doing here? I think the incorporation of coaches into it, where I've seen a more bonding between players and coaches and vice versa. And, and that's important because it's a new staff. And essentially, outside of one guy, you don't know anybody if you're a player. You don't know your strength and conditioning coach. You don't know your position coach. But at 6 a.m., they're there, right there with you in the grind of it. I think that says a lot in getting to know each other, but also knowing that it's a top-to-bottom commitment. And I, and I think there were probably times when it got stressed over the last five years where players went, man, our coach is in it for me. All the coaches, not just my position coach. And so if you start thinking that way and you know that, man, at 6 a.m., Evan Porter was right there running drills with me. You're like, okay, these guys are in it. We're all together. It's not just, hey, you know what? We're out there recruiting. We're going to replace you. It's, hey, no, you're part of the team. And we're going to move this together. And so all those like little things, we'll, we'll, we'll harken back to these conversations when we get into the heart of the fall to see, okay, did that have a meaning? And then did that have a reason on why Nebraska made a step forward? Why they won a game like this where they got stressed and they could have been in the past really uncomfortable? Well, they didn't look uncomfortable, whether it be their bonding, whether it be their coaching, or whether it be just their physical condition mentally and physically. He said something interesting, uh, Coach Rule did, Gary, about – and I, I don't remember if it was on the network or if it was at, at the podium session, but said something about contact quality. <clears throat> I don't know if you heard that. Did you hear that? Yep. It really yeah. stuck out to me because it, it, it was within the context of, like, how physical are you going to be in the spring. And, man, when he said that, I was just, I've never heard it put like that before. I think you hear about that in baseball, <laughs> but yeah. I never really heard about that in football where it's just like, yeah, okay, you know, there's going to be collisions. But what he's saying is it's like, how, how good are you at collisions, basically? And I'm like, yeah. And if you're going to point at one thing or two, a couple things that kind of separate the really good teams and the not so good teams, it, that's a huge, huge factor. That's that's kind of what we were talking about with Tommy Hill back in the day, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, of why he probably got pulled off the defensive backfield is because his contact quality <laughs> was not very good when when blocks were happening, right? Um, do you think that'll be a hallmark of this team, if not this year, well, eventually? Okay, so I, I took it this way, and, and going back to something I just said, there's always a reason behind what they're doing, and I think when he says quality contact. Mark Banker's not standing at the door opening up going, bloodbath, bloodbath, bloodbath day, come on in. Yeah. He's going to be, if we're going to practice, we're going to practice with a meaning. And we're not just going to go out there and just hammer on each other. We're going to have contact, but it's going to be football contact. It's not going to be, hey, we're not wearing pads, so let's have a bull rush drill and see what our offensive linemen can do, which I think is absolutely ridiculous to do that with no pads on. That's just my own personal thing. So I think that we'll have – when they have contact and they hit, it will have a meaning and a purpose, and it will make sense. Instead of, it's just a day we're putting on pads, let's just go out there and beat the snot out of each other. It's going to be, we're going to play football the right way, and we're going to teach guys the right way to have contact, and that, you know what, there is a quality of contact. It's not just going out and just slobber knocking the guy in front of you. It's, yeah, you're doing that, but this is what you're doing. You're moving him off a spot. So, see, I, I think he's always – that's why I think he is feeding into the media and the fan base here, and it's not a bad thing. 
because we like to talk football and Matt Rule is talking football. And so when he starts to get into that conversation, like you alluded to, Mark, on Monday, man, we go to a whole different level and we go, wow, here we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> I just wonder and, and, and I wonder, you know, when we if we see any practices or we see the spring game, if that kind of stuff, we immediately see contact and we go, OK, that makes sense. It's not just guys just, you know, a car crash going on. It's contact with a purpose. And I think that's how his practice structure will be, which will benefit some guys that I think last year they got a little bit confused on what the purpose of practice was, that you're supposed to have something when you walk out of practice every day that I learned and I got better instead of, okay, it's just I'm supposed to be there from 8 to 10.45. I filled my two-hour and 45-minute commitment. Now what do I do? That's well put. I mean, are you going to get better? Is it going to enhance your ability? Are you going to be able to apply it to Saturday? Will it help you Saturday to defeat said opponent? And there's always – we go back to this plan that Rule has, this big picture. Every step's been about preparation, hasn't it, Sharpie? I mean, he's getting a guy, a position group, depth, X, Y, Z, all parts of the program prepared in in different increments, which – it's not worked the past several years and well, this way may be the way it can get better. And, and Nebraska eventually gets over the hop. So let me ask you, Schmitty, and, and for Elijah and Mark, and, and we all are in, in the business world, either in the radio world or outside of it. Is it okay to have a micromanager? Because Matt rule to me, and this is not a negative connotation. Matt rule to me strikes me as very much a micromanager but probably where Nebraska football has been, that's important to have a micromanager. I think in college football, if you're not winning or you're not rolling per se, yeah, you have to have a micromanager. And it, it comes down to your situation. If you Are you able to handle a hands-off approach? Do you have internal leadership or people that are good enough that they don't need babysat? It really comes down to, to what do you have working for you, okay? And, Are you underperforming? If you're yeah. underperforming, micromanaging can help. Sure. <laughs> yep. and, and quite frankly, it's necessary. I'd rather go this way if I'm a Nebraska football fan with a guy that is absolutely hands-on and has coached ever, enough of the different positions. What are we talking about? Offensive and defensive line? Yeah. Coach Rule knows that. So, yeah, he is an absolute micromanager, but that's good. Nebraska needs that. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't there, but I don't know how hands-on Coach Frost was. I don't know how hands-on Coach Riley was. And we all know Bo was pretty involved with what he wanted defensively that, that worked out okay. I know that they had some some tough games, cool. but yeah, give me give me give me a micromanager because guess what? Yeah. I think that's what Saban is. I think that's what Dabo is, and I think that's what Harbaugh is. I think Ryan Day, they all know what's – I think absolutely yep. James Franklin's a micromanager. Where do you want to go as a program? Uh, well, let's yep. go into that group of the Bamas of the world. They're micromanagers, period. Yep, yep. Hmm. You are going to say something, Elijah? Yeah, I think back to that, that story that uh, Will Compton told about Bo Pliny walking into the brass rail and walking up and down O Street, making sure his players weren't there because they got to get up in the morning. <laughs> 
I don't see a guy like Mike Riley or Scott Frost going and doing that and, and checking on the players. But that's the kind of, of micromanagement that was necessary at Nebraska at the time for Nebraska to go find successes. You know what? Your head coach is going to be walking up and down O Street looking to see if he sees any Husker yeah. football players to make sure they're doing what they need to do. And then you got guys going on checking on them in class, making sure they're in class whenever they say they're going to be. And <laughs> hold on, hold on. Hold on. We all know there's a. We all know there's a joke in there about. No, Frost, I know it. That's not where I'm going. That's not where I'm going. That's not where I'm going. He's already at the rail. No, yeah, yeah. He didn't need to, didn't need to search. No, that's not where I was going. But thank you, Mark. My 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 point was. Players, of, get out of here. Think about getting caught. Only. Think about getting caught at the bar. The bar by 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 your head football coach. You'd have to at least buy him a drink before he kicks your ass next morning, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> Coach, you caught me. What do you have? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you got me. Sorry. Meet my two friends here. <laughs> oh, God. So, uh, yeah. Well yeah, done with Aries. the micromanagement. <laughs> pretty good. Getting a shame burrito. Uh-huh. Where's Coach? You know, the people people that alluded to Frost always being late. Maybe it was because of the shame burrito the night before. He just, you know, my he was Lord. he was gonna be yeah. on time. burrito. Yeah. He was he was gonna be on wow. time. Hey, Schmidt was late to a Saturday but... morning show a couple weeks ago because of a shame Burger King run. I get it. Yeah, I get that it. was no good. We got to <laughs> delete that from all files. That was bad. Hey, so while we're at, while we're at this, I got a couple of connections here. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong or not. Tim Miles is the Matt Rule of college basketball, and there's a lot of similarities between Scott Frost and Patrick Ewing. I'll hang up and listen, guys. Love the show. <laughs> Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> a lot of similarities between Frost and Pat. There, I mean. Back to their alma mater when it was supposed to work, and they are mm-hmm. beloved at their alma mater. <sighs> never worked out at so at all. And then why I say Tim Miles because Matt Rule is like the second year guy. Miles turns a lifeless program around. Whether it be Nebraska basketball wasn't lifeless when he took over from Doc, but you saw what he did year two. Mm-hmm. San Jose State was lifeless, and what he did year two at San Jose State, and we all know people can just rattle off. Year one to year two at Temple, year one to year two at Baylor. These are just things I think about when we're waiting for spring football and to move our clocks ahead. And I can't remember yeah, if, I, and I can't remember if I've tomorrow. told this story or not, but I was umpiring youth baseball way back when. It's like my senior year of high school. And there's this one guy behind the backstop that just keeps on talking to me in between innings. And I'm like trying to ignore this guy. He's just, you know, trying to be nice. I think he maybe he's had a couple cold ones. And it turns out I didn't recognize him because he had a low hat and like sunglasses, but it was Tim Miles just sitting behind the backstop talking to the home plate umpire <laughs> in a junior Salt Dogs <laughs> game. Every and if there's anybody that would be in Nebraska's current athletic department it would totally be matt rule the guy that just stands behind the backstop and wants to just talk all day long with the umpire like i i see the comparison there it actually kind of checks out slight difference between patrick ewing and scott frost in that georgetown just looks like they had never like do they practice like they, they just don't even look like they were cohesive in any way shape or form at least frost had had them sort of close to winning games sometimes and, and, I, and I'm, I'm and i'm more looking at they came back to their alma mater. They were supposed to bowl game, bowl game, NCAA appearance, NCAA appearance. And between yeah. the two of them, uh, they had a combined 11 years, and they got to one NCAA tournament. Well, here's the thing, though, with Patrick. is that like, Look, he made a lot of money, but he spends a lot of money. So 
that's the thing with that's a little bit different with him this is wild that you have so much knowledge of patrick ewing's off the court doings (laughs) <laughs> yeah saw him in atlanta one time at the club. <laughs> Just no I'm kidding. I'm kidding. stop 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 not saying that at all um by the way gary we, we were talking earlier about you know difference maker enforcer types on a football yeah. team and richie incognito's name came up and i told the story about how back at the network and you were at the network at the time um one of my jobs was to find the new recruits to get them to come on the show you know back in the day yeah. like and Getting Richie Incognito on the horn, you had to go through his dad, who, by the way, yeah. Rest conspiracy in theory, yes. totally, RIP, but conspiracy theory, last name's Incognito, he talks like this, he's, hey, we, we, we look for big <laughs> yes, Richie, a little Richie, yeah. <laughs> and he's in, the, he's in the middle of Phoenix, I mean, just witness protection program written all over it, we, we don't know. <laughs> We don't know this, but you can you can vouch for that because I, I guarantee if, yes. if you had worked with Richie Jr., you had to kind of go through Richie Sr. He's like, what are you guys doing up there in Nebraska? You know, you get it. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of what it takes. You know who, so, who quietly I think could be fit the role of this discussion is, and he doesn't, when he's away from the field, he doesn't come across this way because he's such a nice guy. Teddy Prohaska. Yeah. If Teddy Prohaska is fully healthy, which, uh, you know, he, he's, I think he's further along than, you know, you thought he'd be with his shoulder at, at this point. I mean, if, if he's, if he's doing a fireman's carry, I think, I think he's feeling okay. Is Teddy Prohaska can be nasty on the field, but then when he walks away from the field, he's a super nice, quiet guy, just a big old, you know, big old offensive lineman. He could be uh, that guy. Um, I'm curious to see like a guy like Ben Scott, what that extra mm-hmm. gear is. I'm also, there's probably guys like a Corcoran and a Ben Hart who take a lot of, you know, scrutiny that yeah. if they play with, con- if they play with confidence and they feel better about their body and what they're supposed to do with their body, then those guys might be like nasty guys up front, you know, and I'm sure that Noelle has, uh, you know, a whole year off of uh, pent up uh, frustration, but I'll tell you another guy in this mix Dominic Riola was nasty. I mean, he and he didn't try and hide yeah. it either. I mean, he would go yeah. hard after guys and he would have to hear the whistle blown and then maybe a half second after and he'd be like, okay. I mean, he was he he was a guy you did not want to face on Saturdays because he never stopped. Yeah. Did he did he go after Bevo or is that just urban legend? Um, I don't know that he went after him. I, I will. I will tell you this. I would because I was doing the sidelines. Remember yeah. the game down in Norman in two thousand. Yes. Um, so Nebraska got up fourteen nothing, and we were all feeling really, really good. I mean, oh, that was yeah. a, that's a national championship OU team, and Nebraska's rolling. So they go up fourteen nothing. Game day is there. Herb Street and Corso are standing right next to the Nebraska bench. Dom comes over, and back then, and I think it's still the case. But you remember there was hardly any room on the sidelines in Norman or Stillwater back in the day. But the student section was directly behind the Nebraska bench. And, you know, while you were learning all kinds of new words out of the Oklahoma student <laughs> section, they would just be giving it to Nebraska. So Nebraska goes up 14 nothing. Riola, halfway off the field, takes off his helmet and just stares into the student section and stands in front of the Nebraska bench and is challenging OU students to come on the field. <laughs> After Nebraska goes up fourteen nothing, and he's like looking at and nobody's taking him up on it. Like no one was like even jokingly. Saying, like, oh, I'm there, me. I'm there. He just stood there with his helmet <laughs> off and chewing on his mouthpiece, just staring into the student section. He goes, you want a piece? You want a piece? 
And I'm like, oh, this could be fun. And Gary, <laughs> Gary, how important is Dom it? Dom versus the field. Yeah. Uh, give me Dom. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, how important is it to have one of those guys on your lines of scrimmage on a football team, do you think? Is that 100% paramount? You think back through the history of Husker football, it feels like whenever you had a good yeah. team, you had one of those mean, nasty guys along the line of scrimmage. Does that have to come from there on the football field? I think you need one of those guys on your football team in general, but do you need one of those guys on the lines of scrimmage? Yeah, I absolutely. It would be great to have all five like the pipeline, but you know, Cam Jurgens was that guy as well. We just kind of, you know, Cam Jurgens, his last year in Nebraska, which he was really, really good, got kind of overshadowed. He was that guy. It was just not downfield blocking against Oklahoma. I mean, there were a lot of times that Cam was nasty. I mean, he'd get after it a little bit, and he'd, he'd stretch it. So, yeah, you'd love to have five, but you got to have one of those guys because I think when you have somebody like that whose motor is always going, it's contagious. Yeah. Sharpie, we'll get you out on this. Uh, I thought on Nebraska basketball, their season, do you remember the journey or is Minnesota the – lasting impression and then just a quick thought of Jeez. of the a final tonight with uh with with bell west and, and millard north they had a successful season they're 16 and 16 that, that to me it's a successful season um it's the whole body of work uh I, I think this team became very likable i think people had fun again watching nebraska basketball but to be honest on wednesday night nebraska basketball went nebraska basketball they had an opportunity they couldn't take advantage of it, and they kind of did it to themselves. Did they get another opportunity? I actually looked at the NIT bracketology before I came on. They're in one of the brackets going to New Mexico. So huh. that would be a good way for Derek Walker and Sam Griesel to continue their career. But this is now shifts to every single moment you have to prepare. How do I on this weekend next year either be in the tournament or be in the discussion? Because there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, the Class A final tonight, you guys saw Bellevue West, man. They are a juggernaut trying to go unbeaten for the first time since that central team in 12. Uh, they can turn it on. They have spurtability, as we like to say. Uh, hmm. Plus, they have a, a great collection of guards, and they have so much depth. Miller North has played them uh, before. They played a great three quarters against them, but then that fourth quarter hit. If they can avoid those big runs like Bellevue West had last night against Westside, then Miller North will hang around. they got to hit some threes. But, man, this is a Bellevue West team. I don't know if they're – going to be amongst the best two three five in class a all time but they're a really really good basketball team um i just hope we get a good game uh and we get a tight uh, final but for the fourth straight year these two programs meet wouldn't that be something that they Jeez. bookend it because three years ago today we basically shut down sports and this country and bellevue west and millard north played that that great uh, state yeah. final, well, great to Bellevue West fans, not Miller North. As Bellevue West came back down 16 to win it, Miller North's won the last two. Maybe Bellevue West on the last boy Dotzler to play at Bellevue West, they win the state title. They've had 14 siblings at Bell West, 12 have played basketball. They got one left. It's a girl that's a sophomore. That's a heck of a family for Bellevue West. But Josiah Dotzler has a chance to go out with another title tonight. Gary, quickly, I know we said last thought, but this Bellevue West-Millard North rivalry that we've seen in the state title game over the last four years, where does it rank in your memory of Nebraska high school basketball just in terms of two teams that keep on battling year after year for the state title? I think it's right up there because I think when it's all said and done, there's going to be plenty of Division One basketball talent that played in this game from four years ago, three years ago, now into the fourth year. I, I think that kind of that kind of helps with the the rivalry. You know, Central never had like a true rivalry during their run. 
Bellevue West and Millard North have definitely been a uh, rivalry. I'm just hoping for a good game. Also, will you guys help me with the Nebraska baseball team real quick? Can we get the nickname Dude. Corn Crunchers going? The with all the home runs they're hitting. The Corn Crunchers. Crunchers or Crushers? Like corn Crushers? Elijah, turn, turn, off, turn off your camera. I know you don't like that. Corn Crushers. Corn Crushers or Crunchers? Crushers. Crushers, no win. Okay, I can get behind that a little bit more. The Corn Crushers. Now, by the way, these dudes. The love. These dudes as Are a team. Shirts or bumper well, well, stickers. Just, can, can, you, can you talk me through it a little bit more, your rationale for Corn Crushers? I mean, aside they hit from. home runs, man. They're crushing the ball. Elijah, when the ball goes over the fence, that's called a home run. And then the guys run around the bases. Yeah. Sometimes you get to go by yourself. Others, you follow maybe three other teammates. <laughs> and the way that they are hitting the baseball over the fence or period, I would like to have them called the corn crushers. So, by the way, team batting average of 335 would be – it's basically top 10 in the country right now. Yes. Which is pretty good. Uh, home runs-wise, I'm not sure that they're quite up there yet. I'm just 20. They have 21, don't they, as a team? Uh, let's see. Let's see. What no, I think got. they have 25 now. 25? Yeah. 25, yes. So that would be approximately top 15. We are in corn Alabama's territory with 25 home runs. Yeah. And so, by the way, speaking of baseball and nicknames, props to Chris Schmidt. I think he came up with my all-time favorite nickname. He came up with it, and it actually kind of stuck. Uh, Shane Komene, the Hawaiian yeah. punch-out. Yes. Mm. I mean, that's like – that's some next-level nickname stuff right there. I'll get, man. I, I hope I hope Schmitty has that on his resume. The Hawaiian punch-out. I do punch not. Out. It was inspired by, okay, we're out of orange juice. What can I mix vodka with? So we went with <laughs> vodka and Hawaiian punch, and it knocked me out. So we just uh, transferred it to the uh, – the flamethrower from Hawaii. The, the other part of Nebraska baseball, besides their great plate, I mean, we're we're talking Max Anderson, and we're bringing up Ken Harvey. And I know it's way early, but you know, mm-hmm. Ken Harvey hit four seventy eight. Is the other part of this team? And last night you got a, a great performance out of Olson. So Olson and Kaminsky, I think, are a nice combo. How about the fact that they're able to pick it? This is a good start defensively. They're not booting it all over the ballpark. And I think now, what are we up to? Seven straight games without an air. Yeah. Jeez. So that's that's another stat that right there along with home runs, which, by the way, are up around college baseball. So I'm sure we're going to get the story about the college baseball is different this year. The- but the fact that Nebraska is able to defensively, because remember last year they gave away so many free outs. Um, that could be another sign that this team is this team's going to be a factor. This team's got a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. And, and we talked opening weekend when when they struggled against San Diego. Look what San Diego's doing. So this is a this is a nice little start to the uh, Nebraska season before they get into the Big Ten, which I think is also going to be better at the top than most people were expecting. In San Diego, so people know, they went to Oregon. They struggled a little bit there in terms of win-loss, but they were competitive against Oregon. Then they just went down to TCU and knocked them off 14-2 to last night. Uh, so in TCU's top 10. So Nebraska right now, to your point, though, Gary, basically number 10 batting average-wise in the country, number eight fueling percentage. Yep. Pretty good. Like, okay, those those are two pretty important things. And then I think if you go to, like, ERA, you're probably not way up there, but you're probably respectable. Getting getting Um, better. Yeah. Sharpie, we will see a little bit later at PBA, bud. Appreciate your your insight and jumping on with us as always, man. Hey, thanks, guys. It's always fun.
Corn right. crushers, Elijah. Corn, corn crushers. Corn crushers. Think, think about it. Get back to me next Saturday. It's sweeping the nation. We will get the, uh, the t-shirts ready. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll, I'll have a better thanks. suggestion next week, but thanks, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. That's the whole man. There he is. Good stuff from That's Gary Shaw. Logo. A little better. Weekend edition. Mark Cranach rocking his UNO gear. And Elijah. I did that in solidarity with Gary, and he didn't even. Yeah. We didn't even talk about it. Big win but, last night no, for UNO no, hockey. I did. I did catch that one. A little bit of it. They knocked off North Dakota last night, so they got a best of three playoff series in the NCHC. Uh, that's and they, sweet. They win last night, so if they win tonight, there's no game tomorrow. Uh, that's how best of threes work. <laughs> FYI, <laughs> yeah. uh, started explaining that concept to you guys. Yep, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, where you can get the podcast. We'll be back at you next Saturday with Hale Varsity Weekend. Guys, appreciate you. Thanks. Godspeed.